So if you would turn to Luke chapter 2, we're going to be walking through Luke 2 here in a little bit. Uh, We're going to start with verse 8 and go to 20. That's going to be our main passage. So go ahead and and open up to Luke chapter 2. So as we celebrate, as we celebrate the Advent, the first coming of Christ to us, we've already covered hope, Luke covered hope, and then Will last week covered peace. But today we're going to look at joy. So Jesus came to bring us hope and peace, but he came to bring us joy also. He came to bring us back to God. So he gives us himself, which seems to be a weird thing. Hey, how do you get down here? How do I get to this place? How do I get to that place? Well, you just come to me. It's like, well, I didn't ask you like who you are. I asked you, how do I get there? And Jesus tells us how to get there is by coming to him. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the door. He is our all in all. So Jesus came to bring us hope and peace and joy, but he does that by giving us himself. That's right. He will return one day, and we'll have a second advent. But see, Christ has come. Christ has died. And Christ has risen, but Christ will come again. There's going to be another advent. Christ is going to come again. He will return and bring us into eternal joy, an eternal joy that never fades. Think about this, an eternal joy that never fades, but actually always increases. This struck me this week as I was just in the Word and studying And being reminded as I was talking to this prayer warrior in Memphis, I was in Memphis, and there's this man that prays over campus outreach, the the ministry that I work with. My full-time job is with this campus ministry. And there's this elder at Second Presbyterian Church in Memphis that always prays for us as a staff. And I was just like, man, you're always praying for us. Thank you. And somehow we landed on talking about heaven over a broccoli bowl, bread bowl at uh, Panera. And we're talking about heaven, and he's this older guy. I'm not a young guy, but I'm not a real old guy yet. Nate, be quiet. Nate's always an old man, you know. But here I am in Panera talking about heaven. And as we're talking, I was like, you know what? God is eternal. God is infinite. You know, the scriptures say we cannot cannot dig into the depths of of who he is, but we're, we're called to dig. We're called to trust. We're called to drink deep. But heaven is going to be a place not where we're all of a sudden all-knowing. We're not all-knowing in heaven. We know all we need to know for that day, but I believe the joy is going to be increasing and increasing and increasing. I don't get it, but I'm totally okay with it. But here in this world, doesn't it feel like lack of joy is what increases? Pain, sorrow, difficulty, that seems to be what is always increasing. So what are we to do with this waiting? What are we to do with the waiting for Jesus to come back? Because there's there's plenty of days for me where it is like, Lord, come. Lord, come. But then I'm like, not yet because my friend, not yet because of this guy on the campus. Don't come back yet, Lord, because there's so many people that don't know you yet. And then I trust him, like, you're going to bring them in. 
But what are we to do with the waiting? Where is the hope, the peace, and joy that Jesus came to bring into this world? Where is it? I know Jesus has called me to be a light in the world, but what do I do? What do I do when my candle is flickering? I think it's helpful for, helpful for us to realize that the book of Psalms itself, of the, all these praises to God, a third of the Psalms is about lamenting. A third is a big piece. If I said, hey, I want a third of your company, you're like, that's too much. A third of the Psalms is how do we walk through pain and suffering and difficulty. Even this past week, the littles aren't with us this morning. But Hillary's baby passed in her womb. Hillary's baby died, and I believe went to be with the Lord. I asked them for permission to share this, but just them grieving. And I'm calling Randy from Memphis and talking to him on the phone and just think, I don't know what to say to him. My family, we've experienced a miscarriage. This will be their second miscarriage. But it's like, what do you, what do you say to somebody that is in that much pain? And Randy It's not supposed to be this way, but Randy's encouraging me. For those of you that know Randy Little, he's one of our pastors here. He's encouraging me. Well, Mark, this is what we're doing. This is what's happening. And and Randy, Friday, Hillary was able to give birth to the child. The child had died before, but was able to give birth. and, And Randy was able to bury Josiah Theodore Little. And soon there'll be a little tombstone. They celebrated the life of this baby within Hillary's womb. But what do they do? What do they do with this pain when joy to the world has come? Where, where is our theology? Where is our God? Where is our hope? Where is our peace? Where is the joy? Well, the littles have joy because they have Christ. Joy is not the absence of pain, but joy is the presence of Jesus. Joy is not the absence of, of, of deep, difficult, difficult suffering, but joy truly is the presence of Jesus being with us. So today I desire to encourage us that it is beholding Jesus, beholding the Savior, Beholding the Christ, beholding our Lord, it is looking to Jesus, it is trusting him, believing the promises of God, that we not only become more like him in a dying and broken world, but we are are propelled out as worshiping messengers, and we have the message of good news, a great joy that is to be for all the people. We begin to live out amen lives, lives that say, let it be so. I trust you. Fill me up. Give me peace. Give me hope. Give me joy. If you would, just for a second, lay your, lay your hands on your knees, palms facing upward. It's okay if you don't like to do experiments in public. That's fine. You don't have to do this. But just lay your palms down. Now, who's, whose palms are doing this? Anybody? No. Most of us are like this. Our, our hand grip is already naturally ready to just grip. We're, all, we're just ready. It's, it's, a, it's closer to this than that. And God is asking us continually, as he's coming to this world, 
to live open-handed lives. Open-handed lives where we are saying, God, your will be done, not my will be done, but Lord, help us. Help us to know you. Because when things hit, we wanna, we wanna, we wanna grab control. We wanna say, I, I wanna take this. I wanna run with this. Our natural propensity already is to just grab control, is not to live just open-handed lives constantly. So what are we to do in a broken and dying world when we are called to be a people of joy? I'm gonna walk through a few verses and then we'll jump into Luke 2. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Psalm 113.3, Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. James 1 and 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. John 15.11. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is Jesus speaking. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. And then Jeremiah 8, 18. My joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick within me. Let me pray for us. Father God, I pray that as we walk through your scriptures, that we would see that there is a happiness, there is a joy, there is a hope, there is a peace that does bring a smile to our face, that does bring a comfort to our hearts as our hearts are full of tears. That Jesus, you were very aware that you were coming into a broken world and you humbled yourself and you entered in to the depths of our pain. And Father, we know that Israel was waiting for the Messiah for hope, for a deliverer, for salvation, for a Messiah, for a Lord, for a king. They didn't realize they would also get a shepherd. But Jesus, you have come. You have come into this world and you enter into our grief, our pain. But you enter into our joy. You enter into our good news. You enter into all of our lives in such a way that says that you are with us and we are to trust you. So God, let us see that we are to be a people that have good news of great joy that is to be for all the world. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at Luke chapter two together. I'm gonna read through this and we'll come back and walk through Luke two. Beginning with verse eight. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were fear, filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into the heaven, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So we begin here in 2.8. We have the shepherds. You have the shepherds out in the field. So the shepherds, these were... These were the lonely. These were the outcasts. These are the marginalized people of Israel. Now, it doesn't mean they didn't know the scriptures. It, didn't, it doesn't mean they didn't know that one day there would be a Messiah to come. But what we do know about this is that the rest of Israel, the rest of the people, looked down upon them and the lowly work that they did. And even some of the mosaic laws of them working with sheep and doing stuff, they were pushed out of certain circles. So they're like at the end of some of the circles of where they get to hang out. These were not a people of influence. These aren't the people that were honored or really smiled upon by society. They're not your movers and your shakers. Not the people you would predict God using to be the ones he first called to the manger and then out into the world. This is not the shepherds. The shepherds weren't those people that we would think that God would do that with. If you were looking to start a movement of God and use strategy and great thoughts and thinking and and leadership and on and on and on and influence, you wouldn't start with the shepherds. You wouldn't start there. You wouldn't even think about it. It wouldn't even cross your mind. It wouldn't even make the list. And if somebody did put them on there, you would, they'd be off of your strategizing planning team. So the shepherds out in the field, what are they doing out in the field? They're watching the sheep. Whether they were their sheep or someone else's sheep, they're out there watching the sheep, protecting the sheep. And then 2 9, 2 9, we see, we see that an angel of the Lord appeared to them. So this angel of the Lord appears, the glory of the Lord appears, and they are filled with great fear. So just think about it. You're out. Maybe it's a team of shepherds. Maybe a couple of them are snoozing a little bit. They're taking turns through the watches of the night, protecting the sheep. But then shazam, right? Boom, an angel of the Lord appears, is right there. It scares them. Now, for some reason... Over the course of my marriage and over the course of being a dad, beginning with my wife before kids, she liked to hide and jump out and scare me. I, I, I don't even like sharing this because you'll start doing it to me. I, I'm jumpy. I jump. It's like I've gone to see counselors. Is there something wrong with me? Do I have something I need from my past? What is it? But I'll jump. If you come up behind me and, and just, boop, just barely, boop, boop, I mean, I'm like, ah. I jump easy. Well, now my son is constantly just hiding behind walls. And I tell him, you better watch out. Not, you better not pout. You better not cry. But you better watch out. I, I might kick you. 
I might punch you. And if I do, that's on you. All right, but, but I jump easy. Like, I try to multiply that by like a thousand for these shepherds. This wasn't just a boo, but I think it was a little bit of that, like, whoa, they're startled. But then the glory of the Lord, and the scriptures are like, wait a minute, the glory of the Lord, when this comes, you know, wow, it's powerful. Are we going to live through this? We don't know exactly what they're thinking, but we know that they were afraid. We know that they were filled with great fear and not just a little bit of it. But then the angels in 210, they say, fear not. They say, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So the most repeated command in all of Scripture, if you look through it, explicitly, fear not, do not be afraid, That's the most commanded thing in Scripture. God knows us. He knows that at the core, if we can figure out the question, what am I most afraid about today? What is it that I fear happening to me today? My my influence, my job, me being a dad, me being a husband, what is it about myself? What, What is it that at the core I'm afraid of? God knows that if we can if we can see the gospel within that. He knows that he himself will help to cast out fear. But asking what we fear the most truly can help us to speak the gospel to ourselves the best. What do I fear the most? How does the gospel speak to this the best? We are told, we are told that the shepherds, it wasn't just a, hey, relax, chill out, it's all good, let's sit around the fire. They were just saying, don't fear but hey, we're gonna, we got some stuff to talk about. And we don't know if they relaxed. We don't know what happened. But we do know that they listened. Let's go to, let's go to 210B. 210B. That, behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So we're going to return here a little bit and camp out in this verse. But what we do know is that, uh, is that these shepherds, these shepherds with this angel, Hearing this news of good news, a great joy that will be for all the people, this is something that began, began to grip their hearts. Then we see in 2.11, we see in 2.11 that this day, and on this day, let me see right here, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is, the, who is Christ the Lord. So here's something unique about this passage, that this doesn't happen often through the Gospels. In this one verse, we see this, that this day, a promise is being fulfilled. So the shepherds are like, wait, this day, this is the day that the Messiah has come, and you're telling us about it? But we see, we see that there is a Savior, someone to save us from our sins. We see that there is the Christ, the anointed one. The anointed one that would be the prophet, would be the priest, would be the king has come. And we see the Lord, the ruler, the king, the one who is to be over us. We see that the master has come. And so the shepherds are hearing this. This day has been born the Savior, the Christ, the Lord. And then in 2.12, in 2.12 we see this. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. 
manger. So there's a sign, okay? Now, something that something you need to see in this passage, the shepherds weren't commanded to do anything. They're not told to do anything. It's implicit, but it's not a go, do this, do that. It's implicit, hey, this will be a sign. It's almost as if, hey, just so you know, if you're looking for him, this is, this is where he'll be, this is what it'll look like, this is how you'll find him. But there's not this command that we see later in Matthew where Jesus is telling us, go into all the world and commanding us. There's an implicit, I know you're going to want to go see this. I know you're going to want to see the Savior who has come into the world. And so the shepherds get a sign. Now, it's important that, there's a, that there is a sign. There's a lot of people hanging out in Bethlehem. There's a census going on. Jesus most likely isn't the only baby being born that night. But here's how you're going to know. He's going to be the baby wrapped in cloths. Okay, there's a lot of those. Oh, yeah, he's going to be the one like in a barn, in a feeding trough. That's the one. And here's the thing. They had to go find him. They had to go find him, and they did. But let's keep going. 2.13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so there's a multitude of angels singing. If you thought it was tough for just one angel to be there and awesome and glorious and wonderful, a whole host of angels filled the sky and started, well, it doesn't say they started singing. It says that this is what they said. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those whom he has pleased. Now, they could have been singing. I just think this, angels talking, singing, not singing, it is, it is amazing, it is awesome, and we're listening. But this is what they do say. Sometimes when we go into verses and we think this is just a song, or this is just a sentence, this is just poetry, sometimes we almost can, if you're like me, just kind of skip over it. But this is what they're saying as a host. They're saying glory to God in the highest. Our lives are to be about seeing the glory of God. The glory of God. They begin with God's glory and then they move down to, and on earth, they move down from his glory to earth. And on earth, what? Peace among those with whom he is pleased. Wait a minute, we're the shepherds with whom he's pleased, I kind of am feeling like you're, I kind of feel like you're talking to me for a minute. Why are you pleased with us? No one, no one is pleased with us. The glory to God in the highest, check, fine, good. We believe you, Lord. Peace on earth, yes, we want peace. With those to whom he is pleased, you're pleased with us? I think they were struck by that in a deeper way then they were struck with fear. I really believe that. I believe it was a deep reaching into the heart of the shepherds. So it begins with his glory, and it moves down into a statement about the world and peace, but it moves down into their hearts that he is pleased. But, but why is he pleased with them? It's because before the foundation of the world, God chose to choose those with whom he would share his love, his salvation, and, and would grip their hearts 
and Christ would be the one to do that. God is not pleased with Mark because I know how to do a few things and because I, I can smile here and there. God is pleased with me because God is pleased with me. He chooses to do that, but he's able to do that because he's God, and Jesus has made a way for me to be forgiven of my sin and to be brought into the family of God, and we are adopted in, and he loves his children. 2.15, we see that the angels, the angels, they go back to heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go, let's go. Again, they weren't commanded to go, but after all of that, they're like, yeah, let's go find him. Let's do this, let's go. And I think they looked at each other and they're like, well, who's going to stay back with the sheep? We don't know what happened. We don't know if they were just like, we'll put them in the pen, they'll be okay. If the angels can do all this, then maybe, they, maybe an angel will stick back. I, we don't know. But we know that they went. We know that they went. They said to one another. They looked at one another. They didn't say, hey, let's, okay, you know, let's get to do a game plan down here in the sand. They looked at each other and said, let's go. This is some good news that has come to us, a good news of great joy that is to be for all the people. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth with those of whom he's pleased. And, and this, this king, this Messiah, this Lord, this Savior has come, and he's wrapped in cloths in a manger. Let's go. Let's go find him. 2.16. Well, let me back up. I do believe they also thought this. And the one and God has made Christ known, but the angels came to us. Let, let, let's go. The angels came to us. This is, this is good news for all the people. If it's good news for us, it's good news for all the people. I believe there was a sense of privilege, but a sense of humility. But it spurred them on to go. I don't think this is lost on them. I think they see the depths of, wow, wow, this has been made known to us. 2.16 says they went with haste and found them. They went. They went scurrying out along, along the city, along the paths, and they, and they found Christ. They found him. They sought them. They sought Christ. They sought Mary and Joseph, and they found him. And just a little side note, they weren't following a star. That's later for the Magi. That's a couple of years down the road. That's not, that's not tonight. That's not the, the birth of Christ. That's a couple of years down the road that the Magi, they're seeing the star maybe tonight. They're studying maybe tonight. But the star doesn't lead them to the child till maybe a couple of years later. And so it's not that the, it's not that the sign for the shepherds was a star. The sign was you're going to find a baby wrapped in cloths. And they find him. And there is Jesus. 2.17. And when they saw the manger and all that was told them, this is what they did. They made known the saying. They, they let Mary and Joseph know, this is what was told to us. And wow, this is, this is the Savior. This is the Messiah. This is the Lord. We don't know how they thought about that, this little baby, wow. But we know how they responded. They spoke of what was told to them. And even this passage says they share this with all. So it's not just Mary and Joseph, but they go out sharing 
with people on their way back. They go out sharing what they had been told. They made the the saying known that good news of great joy for all the people, a Savior, a Messiah, the Lord is born this very day. And then 2.18, it again, it's the all people that they came in contact with. They heard, but it said they, they were astonished. It says they, they, they wondered. They wondered what, they wondered what, what, is it, what are you saying? The Messiah is supposed to come, and you're saying he's here? This is amazing. They marveled. They were surprised, in a good surprise, not a scary surprise. Wow, Christ has come. I heard this story this week as I was with our campus outreach staff in Memphis. There's about 36, 37 of us throughout the state of Tennessee and some in Chicago, some in Arkansas. And we're all sitting there talking about good news of great joy. We're not talking about this passage, but we're talking about getting the good news of Jesus out among university students. And one of my friends, his name is Brian Lewis. He shares this story that happened 20 plus years ago, 15, 20 plus years ago, of this, this big old white football player, strong, big football player that comes to Christ at SEMO, Southeastern Missouri State. He comes to Christ as a student. He doesn't know how to talk about Jesus. He has what my mom and dad would phrase back in the day, a sailor's mouth. He, he cusses a lot. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to, but he is, he is astounded that God saved him. And they're having this Bible study in the dorm. His name is Roth. His last name is Roth, but Roth. And, and, and Chuck McElroy is discipling Roth. He's a fresh Christian, and they're, they're, they're let's pray. Let's pray together, so. It's just a few Christians around the room. They actually get down on the floor, which can seem odd, but if you didn't grow up being a Christian, you don't know what's what. You're like, okay, this is what we do. We just kind of get down on the floor and we pray. And Roth doesn't really know how to pray yet, just like a lot of us. We don't, we don't Lord, teach us to pray. But Roth is down on the floor, and, and it kind of is like, oh, I guess it's getting to me, and I'm about to pray. And, and, and this is what Brian said that Roth, this big old football, picture a big football, burly, almost surfer, but not, just dude. He's, he says, Lord, this is Roth at Southeastern Missouri State in the dorm. Dominate me. Doesn't that sound like a football player that, that knows? That's what he's about. He's like, just win. Would you win me? Would you come in? Would you do something in me? Would you dominate my fears? Would you dominate my aspirations and make them about you? Would you do that? The shepherds heard the good news of Jesus, and they went out. They went out. And they told the world as they were going. Chapter 2, verse 19 says, Mary treasured up all these things. Mary heard these things. She had been hearing. She already heard from Gabriel. 
Joseph had heard from Gabriel. She already knows that, wow, this is a miracle that's happening. So here's more news that she's hearing. My son will bring good news of great joy for all the people. He is the Savior. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And it says she treasured these things. And she pondered them. Let us be a people who treasure and ponder. 2.20. And the shepherds returned glorifying God and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. All that had been told them. So they heard from the angels and they went and saw Christ and they went and spoke. So let's look back at 2.10 and 11. 2.10 and 11. Good news, a great joy that is to be for all the people. There's some of you in this room that haven't truly tasted the good news of the gospel. That Christ has come into this world to save us from our sins and to give us eternal life and to call us into his family and have us sit at his table as sons and daughters and to one day as we die or Christ returns while we're alive to be with him forever and ever. If you're, if you're here today and don't know Christ, please come talk to me afterwards. Talk to one of our pastors. Talk to somebody. If you were invited by somebody in your neighborhood through a community, a comm group, community on mission group, uh, talk to me. Talk to one of our staff. But don't leave here if you're curious, what is this good news? We want you to hear the good news of Christ. But this good news is good news of great joy that is to be for all the people. If you would, look at 2 Timothy 2.2. You don't have to turn there, it's right here. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. For those of us that are here today that do know Christ, that do love him, that have experienced his good news and that great joy that has come in, that we are able to say, even in the midst of sadness, Christ, you are there. You bring peace. You bring comfort. You bring hope. Would you use me to help my neighbors know you? Would you use me to help people all around me at my place of work, in my family, in my neighborhood, to know you? Help me to entrust this good news to other people so that they would go and share with other people just like the shepherds did. And then Matthew, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We can go and spread this good news of great joy because Christ is with us. Christ is with us. So there's a quote by a guy named Oswald J. Smith. I don't really know too much about him, so take this with a grain of salt, but I love what he says or what he said years ago. We talk of the second coming. Half the world has never heard of the first. We need to talk of the second coming of Christ. Don't get get me wrong on that. Don't get Oswald wrong on that. But here's the thing. I I don't know you. I don't know your circles. 
But I know mine, and I know sometimes we can, we can just talk more about that Christ is going to come. And this is how we should live and, and, and take care of our families, and we forget there's a, there's, a whole, there's a whole world out there that has never even heard of the beginning of, of, of the good news that Christ has actually come. They have never even heard about him. All over the world, there's people that have never heard about Christ. So yes, let's talk about our theories on end times. Let's do that, but, but hey, ask yourself, am I also concerned about people that have never heard about the beginning of Advent, the beginning of Jesus coming? Let us be missionaries. Let us be a people that do hear the command of Christ, but let us be a people that would say, Jesus, even if you didn't command me, I've got to go. This is good news of great joy for all the people. Would you do that? Would you use me? Would you use my family? So there's a place that my family and I lived for, out of 15 years, we lived in this city. We were there two different times. Concan, Thailand. It's part of the 1040 window. We can talk about that later. It's a section of the world where we're, a majority of the world actually is packed into this window, and it's where the least amount of Christian witness is. In the city that we were in of the 6,000 people groups that exist, it's in the top 50 most unreached people groups. And we, we live there, work with college students to bring them good news of great joy. And we went back in 2000, and we're able to plant a church. And this church continues to grow. The campus ministry continues to grow. And we sent out other ministries within Thailand to Chiang Mai, Thailand, to Udon, Thailand. And Udon, out of Konkan. And our church, we are partnering with our church that we started in Konkan. We financially support them. We encourage them through uh, Zoom calls and talking and, and, and instant messenger and on and on, but also we support the church in Udon. So I want you to hear from Mo Montenegro, one of my best friends who is still laboring in Thailand about good news of great joy. Hello everyone at Legacy. Uh, my name is Mo Montenegro. I am greeting you from Udon Thani, Thailand where I work with Campus Outreach. Uh, it's my privilege today to be able to share with you about how the good news of great joy has been moving forward in Udon Thani. Um, I think it was uh, this month, four years ago, that we had our first event uh, where God opened an opportunity for us to share the story about Jesus with 150 students. Uh, they were able to hear uh, songs about Jesus, the story about Jesus, um, games about Christmas, and also uh, they were able to even eat some uh, candy cane. Uh, so it was that uh, four years ago, and through an open, that open door that God gave to us, we were able to have um, opportunity to witness and build relationships with 60 students, um, even through the almost two years of being in COVID. And through that, uh, God was able to give us um, 
to bear fruit in the lives of 14 students who have come to know the Lord. Um, one of my favorite stories recently is about a young man, uh, the last person who came to know Christ uh, this semester. He went to our men's retreat. Uh, his name is Brian. Uh, that's his nickname. That's not his Thai name. Uh, he went on our men's retreat. It was the first time that he would go on this retreat. When uh, we were at church two Sundays ago, I asked him how, what was the, the main thing that he learned from this retreat? And he said, the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Um, and I asked him, I said, hey, so does that seem right to you that Jesus is the Lord? And he said, it is right for me. Uh, that was very encouraging. That was very encouraging for, for me to hear. And uh, he went home that week and told both his parents that he is a follower of Jesus Christ. So hmm, um, that's just, you know, the, the power of uh, the gospel. Uh, it couldn't have been us. Uh, none of our staff uh, could have made that uh, known to him. Um, that uh, he could have new life and uh, that he would be enabled to understand things where he could walk in the ways of the Lord. So it's been a privilege uh, to, to be here these past four years and we're looking to see how God might uh, multiply uh, his gospel in the lives of others. So have a great Thanksgiving, or sorry, Christmas season. So that's Mo Montenegro. And for clarity, he's been in Thailand for 25 plus years. He's been in this new city for four uh, with his family. And also to be clear of why he even gets choked up, it's like, it, it makes sense. Somebody came to Christ. But over the decade that I lived in Thailand, going and speaking to, to students every day at lunch, I've shared this with many of you. I only met one Christian in 10 years. One Christian in 10 years. And I told him he was lying. <laughs> I said, you're lying. You're a Christian? How? And he's like, yeah, some missionaries came to our neighborhood. It's like, wow. Praise God for those missionaries that came and brought you good news of great joy. And so what about your neighborhood? What about your place of work? What about your family? Who are the people that you need to share Christ with? Uh, John 10, 16 says this. This is what's amazing. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Jesus says, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. So we don't go alone. Jesus is with us, and Jesus is the one that says, hey, I'm actually the one that I must bring them in. But we have to go. We have to speak the good news. Just in a little bit, the kids are going to come up here and they're going to sing, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Where is your hill? Where is your mountain? When you stand on Rocky Top, what should be the greatest song in your lungs? What is your greatest hope? Let's go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. And they're also going to sing the drummer boy song. Now, here's the thing. I don't know about you, but our little Advent uh, nativity scene when I was growing up, uh, it had a little drummer boy that showed up. Pretty confident there wasn't a drummer boy at the nativity, you know, playing the drums. 
pretty confident of that. I could be wrong. I'm fine. I like being wrong because then I, I know what I was wrong about. But they're going to sing the drummer boy song. And there's a part of this song is where, and then he smiled at me. So again, it's like, baby, and you know, you know, it's like that, that would be pretty scary. But maybe it was just a smooth rhythm. And y'all know, if you like drums, you like music, you like to dance, and that beat comes on and it's good, you look at each other like, yeah, that's, that's our jam. Look, the drummer wasn't there. Jesus isn't looking up, smile the drummer boy. But I wasn't there either. You weren't there, right? And God is pleased to smile upon you. He smiles upon you because of the work of Christ. He is pleased with you because of Christ. Not because of you, but because of Christ. And it's like, what, what will I do? What can I do? I don't have anything. Well, I have good news of great joy that is to be for all the people. Closing with this verse in Zephaniah 3, 16 and 17. Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in the, in the midst, in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. His smile over you is to be the strength that is under you. And when you know that he's smiling on you because of what Christ has done, there's a strength under you, the foundation, the rock of Jesus. There is a joy, a peace, a hope that is within our hearts. There is a joy. So my question to you is this. Who are some of the all people around you? Who are some of these all people that are around you? I really do want you to think, who are three people in my circle of influence that I don't know if they know Jesus. And I want you to share good news of great joy. Be okay if you don't feel like you know how to clearly articulate the gospel story. You do know how to say, I once was blind, but now I see. You do know how to share that Christ has given you life.